Welcome to the ICAST podcast. I'm your host, Indi Singhoti, and today I'm joined by Professor Carol Adams, CA, from Durham University Business School. Carol is an internationally recognized researcher in corporate accounting and reporting and its role in the relationships between business, society, and the environment. She also consults to multinational companies and other organizations on corporate reporting and integrating sustainability into business practices. Carol is a founding editor and editor-in-chief of the Sustainability Accounting Management and Policy Journal, which she established to promote research that addresses practice and policy issues concerning accounting, organizations, and sustainable development. Carol is also a CA and the chair of the ICAS Sustainability Panel. Welcome, Carol, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Carol, so in my introduction, I gave a brief overview of some of the areas you focus on in your work. Uh, would, you, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about your role in consulting organisations on integrating sustainability into business practices? Yeah, so it's all been linked to my research work and, and also my teaching work. So I've worked with a global asset manager, helping them develop an impact report for a particular fund that they have. So that's about showing the positive and negative contributions of the companies in that fund to the SDGs. And then I worked with an Australian superannuation fund, helping them develop their integrated reporting over a period of several years, which was very interesting watching that uh, develop. And I worked with a large uh, bank on their sustainability reporting. And I've also worked in a a senior leadership role, so this isn't consulting, but I've worked in a senior university leadership role, which included developing sustainability reporting, as well as integrating sustainability across everything that the university did. It's wonderful to hear your, your breadth of experience across sort of impact, impact measurement. If you don't mind me asking, what, what sparked your interest in this area in the first instance? Uh, well, look, I guess I, when I did my accounting training, I was sort of quite st- struck by the the lack of focus on any social issues in particular at that time. It was something that I was passionate about, social justice issues, you know, is how it all started. And I kind of felt accountants and, and the people I worked with weren't really focusing on that at all. And so then I got the opportunity to work in the education sector. I I started doing research. And so I was able to focus my research on this area of interest of mine on social justice and then into environmental issues. And it's actually a big field in accounting academia, um, sustainability reporting. You know, I started off researching financial reporting. I looked at harmonization in financial reporting across countries. And I became interested in the non-mandatory aspects of reporting, you know, and the implications of uh, reporting in lesser developed countries and whether that reporting was appropriate for those environments. You know, and I, I, I sort of that interest, a whole interest area in in social and environmental and and non-mandatory reporting, non-financial reporting became a big a big interest over you know a period of nearly three decades now. 
well, very much a very much a pioneer in this space. And I guess you know the world increasingly now looks to accountants and our profession to to measure, report, and assure on non financial indicators, given our experience uh, within sort of financial indicators. Exactly. And now, having been involved uh, in the sustainability area for for over three decades, I'd be interested to hear how you've seen the attitudes evolve towards business focusing more on being conscious about their impact on society and the environment. Yes, well, the sort of drivers for business attitudes, are, you know, are first of all, disasters. You know, we, we saw in the 1990s, we had the Exxon Valdez Alaskan oil spill, we had the fuss around Brent Spa and Shell, and then Shell's treatment of the Ogoni people in Nigeria came under under the you know the public eye. And later on we had Nike with labor rights issues in the supply chain. And those companies were sort of reborn as you know, socially responsible companies. A few years later, Shell won the best uh, sustainability report in the ACCA reporting awards, for example. So that's one of the drivers and that's still happening. Once companies get caught out by irresponsible activity that hits the press, they then start to be more accountable and pay attention to it. Activist pressure is, is quite a large part of that. But we are seeing now more leaders with a moral compass that actually want to do some good and want their business to be a focus of of good and and do good things and not do all the harm that multinational corporations have done over the decades. Um, We're also seeing an increased emphasis on diversity, uh, gender, race, neurodiversity. And, you know, this diversity itself is actually a force for change um, in the thinking of organizations. It changes the way the senior management team think, the way that boards think, and it gives it a different focus. You know, we've seen that boards where there are more women represented, uh, you know, there has been some research indicating that they focus more on corporate social responsibility issues, for example. And we're also seeing leaders who are wanting to seek opportunities from sustainable development issues for their business. So, you know, looking for opportunities for new products and services that help to address some sustainable development issues. And then more recently, we've got some organizations who are not just focused on value creation for the enterprise, enterprise value as it's being called, but are actually seeking to create value for their organization, for society, and for the environment simultaneously. And so, you know, the old thing about when there's been a problem, this this changes what an organization does, is still very much there. The activist pressure is still an important force for change, but we are seeing business leaders change the, the way that business is focused. And they are reaping the benefits of that from, you know, some types of investors. And they're seeing that um, is a, is good for the business, but also they're seeing that it actually attracts the best employees. 
there's been quite a lot of research that shows that people are attracted to businesses that are responsible, are doing the right thing. You know, they feel good about working there and good employees with good qualifications seek out those opportunities. Really useful to get your your insights there, Carol. Um, I especially resonate with the the aspects around around leadership. I completely get the sort of reactive um, response to disasters and activist pressure, but in terms of a more proactive long term change, the piece around leaders with the moral compass, thinking about wider set of stakeholders and also the piece around inclusive leadership and, and diversity within that and allowing allowing a, a breadth and variety of ways of working and thinking will really help to reap the rewards and something I, I, I take away from what you've just said there is around looking at looking at this topic of ESG environment as an opportunity rather than a a, a problem and that allows you to solve issues, unlock value and ultimately retain some of the best people who are interested in this area. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. A recent World Economic Forum report reveals how public companies are leading private ones in three key areas of sustainability, corporate social responsibility and environment and people sustainability. It calls for improved transparency from private companies, particularly in the areas of ESG and EDI, to ensure real progress is made. Why do you think this is, and how can private companies begin to gain momentum in this area? Yeah, well, I think it's increasingly demanded by the owners of private businesses as well, and they themselves are also being held to account for how they invest. And so that's, that's increasing the, the, you know, the focus in private companies. I think it perhaps also needs to be something that's required by regulation though. I mean, I do really believe that mandatory reporting, mandatory accountability makes a big difference. And, you know, that's really ultimately the only way to, um, to stop the greenwash. Um, there's also, you know, an increased knowledge of the benefits, as I said, of this kind of accountability and tra- transparency, attracting and retaining talent, for example, and finding business opportunities. So there, you know, there's there's plenty of reason for more more accountability, and there are ways of enhancing it further. Investment in ESG has become more popular. Businesses try to promote themselves as environmentally conscious and that they are doing the right thing. However, there are worries around the data and ESG rating providers leading to concerns of greenwashing. What are the key issues here? Okay, so there's questions around what are they actually measuring? Are they measuring the impacts of the organization on society, on the environment? Are they measuring the organization's human rights abuses? It's a pollution, for example, or are they looking at the impact of sustainable development issues on the organization. So it's sometimes unclear what they're actually looking at. There's not a lot of information in some cases about how they arrive at their ratings. But there's also been some controversy around conflicts of interests in ESG products in that some of the raters 
are also providing services to improve ESG performance. And therefore, they, you know, there's a bit of a, a conflict of interest in actually determining the rating itself and on what that rating is based. And also, you know, the different rating providers use different methodologies. Some rely heavily on public, publicly available disclosures by companies. And others use questionnaires that they send out to to companies. And so, you know, the methodologies are unclear. The transparency is 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 questionable. And of course, this this data is largely unaudited. And there are, you know, there are inaccuracies and there are inconsistencies in in some of the um, in some of the data. You know, I, I know a consultant who was who was telling me recently that a, a company she's done some work with was put in the wrong industry group, which made them made their rating look a lot higher than other people, other other organisations in that in that industry group. And I know, for example, that the European Securities Security Market Authority has put out a consultation calling for evidence on the characteristics of ESG rating agencies. And IOSCO also asked securities regulators to look at the use of ESG ratings, including transparency and the methodology, um, because of these known uh, problems. So, so my initial thought to your response there, Carol, is, is is the answer to some of these challenges around sort of standardization or uni- uniformity in, in reporting and measurement? Well, I think where there's, where there's key indicators, you know, some some standardization of the way that indicators are calculated is, is good. I mean, you don't want um, a number of different ways of calculating greenhouse gas emissions, for example. That's not helpful. Um, but at the same time, we don't want a rules-based system where, you know, companies are given you know a bunch of indicators and told report on these indicators because that then means that they're not thinking themselves about what the material issues are for them and how they're going to to handle it. And so, you know, standardization is, um, you know, the push for standardization, you know, can have a negative effect overall, actually, because um, if organizations, you know, are reporting on a, a narrow set of indicators, and not reporting on all the things that are material to them, then it's it's not helpful. It's not helpful to investors. It's not helpful to other stakeholders. In a recent article in the Harvard Business Review, Kenneth Pucker wrote that sustainability reporting was not a proxy for progress and that the focus on reporting may actually be an obstacle to progress, consuming bandwidth, exaggerating gains and distracting from the very real need for changes in mindsets, regulation and corporate behaviour. What are your views around the efficacy of current reporting standards? And do you think more needs to be done to change the culture and behavior of businesses to make a positive difference? Well, I've seen through my research that actually reporting does make a big difference. You know, you can have organizations that start you know, reporting on, let's say, gender diversity across all their business organ, their business units, 
And then what happens, and I, I know this because this is, this has come out through my research. Then what happens is that the leaders of those business units start competing with each other on that key performance indicator, trying to improve it. So it does actually change behavior. But then, of course, you have to have the right reporting frameworks. And the reporting frameworks themselves make a huge difference in whether action changes. So I have, um, you know, quite a big interest in 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 this area, I have been looking at how reporting influences behavior over over the years. And I feel that reporting on impacts, making companies accountable for their impacts on social issues, on environmental issues, actually does improve performance. But um, it's much more effective if it's mandatory. If it's not, you get organizations picking and choosing what they disclose. So there needs to be a requirement to report on material issues. And those reporting processes to determine those material issues must themselves be made, um, you know, be be publicly available. And we really need to find ways of assuring these processes because you know, if, if you're looking at a sustainability report, you want to be sure that that report includes all the material impacts of that organization. Now, if an organization isn't going through a process to determine those impacts, then it's going to miss some. And that process itself ought to be reported. The governance oversight of that process ought to be reported. And we really must also know how organizations are incorporating sustainable development risks and opportunities into their strategy in order to create change. Now, if those things are reported, then yes, we can start to create change. I am concerned about a focus on financial materiality only. If an organization were to adopt a set of standards that only required them to think about the financial materiality of sustainable issue, sustainability issues to their organization, then they're not going to get a complete set because we know that the impacts of organizations also have a financially material effect over the long term. So that's one issue. But another issue is that you're not changing the mindset of organizations. You're telling them really what we're interested in all the time is just financial materiality. We're not asking you to think about sustainable development issues and your impacts in their own right. We're asking you to think about what's financially material for your organization. Now, a set of standards that does that is not going to be helpful in creating the change that we need as a society. Another issue is, you know, when, he, when you're just thinking about financial materiality, there's a whole lot of judgment involved in, well, when is a particular sustainable development impact of ours 
going to um, be financially material. So, you know, if, if you were Nike um, a few years ago and you, you kind of got some hint as a senior management team that there were some problems in one of your supplier factories, are you going to do something about it? Well, maybe not, because you might think, use your, using your judgment, that that's not going to be financially material, at least not in the short term. And if you're only asked to report on what's financially material in the short term, you're not going to report it. And if you're not reporting it, then you're likely not to be managing it either. So I really do believe that reporting standards absolutely do um, result in, um, you know, a set of behaviors that can be good or it can be negative overall um, on society and the environment. And if it's negative overall on the impacts on sustainable development, that is ultimately in the long term going to affect the financial performance of organizations. No, def definitely, Carl. What, what I'm hearing there is obviously reporting and measurement is definitely very, very important, but it comes down to how, this, how the standards are structured and their scope, right? If you're just looking at that narrow view and lens of, of financial materiality, you're not really capturing the, the essence of, of, of the issue there, right? And I think it goes back to that quote around the, the mindset and the culture and thinking about a wider wider set of stakeholders. So I think that that, that came across uh, very, very loud and clear. So thank you. Thank you for your thoughts there. In anticipation of the emergence of mandated international sustainability reporting standards, how are CAs and accountants positioned in terms of their skill sets to operate in a business landscape that is increasingly shifting towards being more sustainable? Yes, well, look, CAs definitely have the technical skills. They know what quality data is. They know what good internal controls are. They know about internal and external audit, and they know the importance of governance oversight. So they've definitely got those technical skills, which in theory ought to be transferable to a whole range of other issues. But they don't all necessarily have the mindset. We've been talking a bit about a mindset. So I don't think they all have the right mindset uh, to do this. So, for example, they, they need to have, have the ability and also be comfortable about applying what they know to a range of non-financial data. Uh, they need to be able to and willing to think differently and critically and think out of the box. Um, so, for example, when they're making an investment decision, they need to be thinking about, you know, well, not just presenting the financial data, but also thinking about incorporating into that presentation and thinking about the data and the variables, the social and environmental impacts of any decision-making that they're doing or providing data to senior management to do. Um, they need to also be thinking beyond short-term profits and, you know, the, the training of accountants and the nature of the people that select to do accounting um, often means that that's a challenge for accountants. 
and applying skepticism that comes with audit training. Now, that's, that skepticism is, um, is very useful, but they need to be able to apply that differently to different situations. Um, you know, thinking more, thinking more broadly and understanding the environment that the business is operating in. Um, expecting the unexpected and um, being able to handle uncertainty and to, you know, critically think about data with that skepticism. Skepticism is, is also important. And, you know, I, I think also uh, the accounting functions within organizations need to get better at um, interacting with other parts of the organization and other functions. You know, I've sometimes asked when I've done presentations to accountants, how many of you are working with the sustainability function and asking them, about their issues in data control, data collection, data presentation, and so on. You know, and I can sometimes be in a room where no hands um, go up. And I think welcoming diversity in thinking is also something that um, we need as a profession to be more open to. Thank you for your thoughts, Seth. I sort of summarized it. There's, there's a piece around individual development uh, around skills, understanding, and mindset. There's a piece there around within an organization, the finance function, sort of you know increasing their uh, ability to collaborate with other aspects of the business and work collaboratively with aspects of the business. And there's the profession becoming more more diverse and 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 and, and welcoming different different ways of thinking. If I go to the first point there, and I guess that the question that comes up quite a lot through my sort of conversations with fellow CAs is, is, is around how does one practically, you know, develop their, their knowledge and mindset in this area? That seems to be a common question. Like what, can, what can one do to really, you know, improve their understanding of the space and develop their mindset around uh, topics around ESG? Well, look, I think, Talking to people within your organization who are working on that is a good start. You know, finding out whether you can be of help, um, looking at how they do things to make that determination because they might not know where you would be able to help. Um, so that would be, that would be a good start. You know, I think anybody that's, um, reading, reading the newspapers these days will, be aware of topics that are relevant to to businesses, and I think really trying to think about what are the issues that my business, my employer, and the industry my employer is in is facing. What are the social and environmental issues that they may face in the future? What risks and opportunities do they present? So accountants are used to thinking about you know, operational type risks, why not broaden that out and start to think about other risks to the business and opportunities also for possible new products and services and markets um, that, that, that come from that. Completely agrees, and some fantastic suggestions. I know for myself, I, I'm I'm always a big fan of, of of CPD, and I know the CPD framework within within the profession and CA qualification is, is baked in, and I think that's a great opportunity and vehicle to 
to pursue further learning um, in this space. So I, I, I'm always a big, big, big fan of, of, of promoting that and and seeking out further training in this space because it's a it's a it's a very fast moving area currently, and in, and and will be an increasingly important one um, for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, the CA training is evolving um, with all of these issues. That in itself will attract a different type of person to be a CA. And it will change the mindset of those that go through that training and, and, and broaden the way that they think about these issues. Most definitely. And I think personally for me, um, being aware of some of these changes happening, it really, it, it changes the positioning of, of what an accountant and what the profession does, right? Because we're moving just, we're moving beyond the financial indicators towards areas, um, well, towards the non-financials, but to, uh, along areas that are much more important to people. And I think, and I think that really, um, increases the attractiveness of the profession and the way the, the profession is positioned in the world in terms of what we do for businesses and for society at large. Absolutely. You know, I would have loved to have been able to join a climate change and sustainability, um, part of a big four accounting firm when I was training. But, you know, all there was was then was really financial audit or tax. <laughs> and, um, you know, it would, have, it would have made the work much more attractive to me had I been able to do some of that, that type of work, the, the sustainability and climate change consulting work and assurance as well, some of that assurance work. Most definitely. So, Carol, what are your predictions for the next five years of sustainability reporting and what should CAs be looking out for? Yeah, well, look, it's going to increase absolutely all over the world. There's going to be more companies doing sustainability reporting and the company and companies doing more sustainability reporting. It's also going to increase in terms of the mandatory component of it and the component that requires to be externally assured. So there are going to be um, lots of job opportunities and I think skill shortages in these areas. So any CA who is interested in this area should seriously think about it as a as a career um, because there are going to be so many opportunities both in the um, profession in practice and within companies for accountants um, doing this kind of work and it's something where you can really feel that you're making a difference to people and to future generations and to the to the planet so it's a it, you know it's a worthwhile um, area of work that offers a lot of uh, variety too you know also um, the public and investor demand for this kind of accountability and action will increase and there's going to be work for um, analysts there's going to be work in the public sector looking at um, looking at sustainability reporting and sustainability management and decision making issues as well um, and I you know I think um, there's going to continue to be and perhaps an increase in the focus on the impacts of organizations on social and environmental issues as well as an you know an increasing focus on the risks 
that they present to organizations and opportunities that can come from that and implications for, for strategy. So, you know, I think some really interesting uh, jobs are going to come from that in analyzing these risks and opportunities and developing strategy that incorporate them. And accountants have traditionally got involved in these sorts of areas. Um, you know, not necessarily with sustainability, but in general, looking at, at risks and, and strategy. And so I, I think the profession, as I said, will start to attract um, people with a different mindset. The sorts of people who come into the profession, in pro, uh, profession will develop um, a, a different mindset and more um, women will be given a voice um, I feel and a, and a role in in um, in these issues and they'll want to take it um, it is it's a type of work that will attract um, more women too thank you for your thoughts there Carol it's you know the the opportunities across the profession are are multifaceted there's many many areas uh, as, as you as you've if you talked about and i think this is going to be an increasingly more important area um as, as as time time goes on and ultimately something that will benefit benefit the world if if we get it get it right for for society um i just want to say a huge thank you Claire, for taking the time time with us uh, i very much see you as sort of you know one of one of the pioneers within our profession leading the research in this space and and, and influencing our profession for the, for the better so thank you for for taking the time to to join us um today and to share your thoughts um if anyone wanted to connect with you um where where could our where could our listeners or fellow members um reach you well, I have a website where I write about these things. It's www.drcaroladams.net, all one word, or um, I'm on the Durham University website as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Carol. Thank you very much, indeed. Very much enjoyed the conversation. <laughs>